This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin, no Jesse Temple today. For those people watching, they obviously can see that. For those listening, you could see it as well. You could go to our YouTube page, and we certainly would appreciate the Camp Podcast. Go up there and subscribe. Going to have a ton of content going up there very, very quickly here as we get into fall camp and then into the season. We're going to have from practice, going to have practice highlights, going to have video uh, from player interviews, and then obviously our shows are going to be up there as well. So a lot of good stuff coming, including down to Big Ten Media Days next Wednesday and Thursday. So Jesse, again, will be back with me on Monday. Today's show is another special episode. It's going uh, our second episode in a series of four about the 1993 Wisconsin football team. And it's from four different perspectives. Yesterday or earlier this week, we heard from Jay Wilson from a media perspective. Today's episode, we're going to be hearing from a coach's perspective, a head coach's perspective. It is former Wisconsin coach Barry Alvarez. Uh, I think people are going to really enjoy this one. Ton of great stories from Barry um, that, uh, you know, we spent about 40 minutes uh, talking about that 1994 or 93 team, 94 Rose Bowl. I probably could have spent another hour. Uh, he couldn't because uh, he had to deal with me. But uh, it was a really good, fun interview, and I think people are really going to uh, enjoy it. So here he is, former Wisconsin coach Barry Alvarez. Yeah, we do bring in former Wisconsin coach, former Wisconsin Athletic Director, member of the College Football Hall of Fame. It is Barry Alvarez. Barry, I appreciate your time. Um, this is the 30th anniversary of uh, your first Rose Bowl team, the one in 1993. There's so many stories attached to it, but I wanted to start just with what it was like in 1990 when you showed up. How tough a situation did you walk into in 1990 in Madison? Well, you know, you could start with the athletic department, which which was uh... – bankrupt um uh, there, there really weren't you know basketball and football were the money makers and the stadium was empty uh basketball was bad um uh, i can remember at one point i wanted to buy get some uh, a different color practice jersey a contrasting practice jersey and rotate them we didn't have enough money in the budget to get us practice jerseys so you know we were on a shoestring budget um not probably a, a handful of legitimate Big Ten players on the team. You know, a few really good players. And I think I thought our offensive line, you know, they had good size. Had we coached that group for, for four years, I think they could have been a good offensive line. But, you know, there was an attitude. They didn't – I don't think they felt as though they could compete in the Big Ten. Um, and not a lot of confidence. Um very, very thin at at uh, the skilled positions, quarterback and running back in particular. Um, so uh, it was it was a program that had to start from scratch. So part of that was, and it's obviously the famous line at the press conference about if you know if you don't have your season, you better get your season tickets now because before long you won't be able to. There's that one. But I was reading about some other stories uh, that you, of, of things that you ran into. And I don't know if you remember this one or not, but uh, there was a Lumberman's Association meeting. Um, you heard a guy say that he wasn't going to renew his season tickets. He wanted to see if you guys were going to be any good. And uh, according to the, the article I read, you took issue with it and you can and he confronted him with it. And uh, 
I don't know. Do you remember? Do you remember that one at all? I, it was from Gene Wolderhowski, the L.A. Times. It was a long time ago. I know. Uh, but here's the quote that he he attributed to you. Said uh, the high volume lecture ended with a quote, and I hope that when you do want to come back, that you can't get season tickets. Did you run into a lot? <laughs> did you run into a lot of that? Yeah, you know what? I, I ran into about everything. Uh, I, I can remember doing the circuit and, and trying, going, we do our spring, with the athletic department, we do our spring meetings and around the state and go to alumni groups. And I got to the point, I didn't want to go and listen uh, to people talk about the band or other teams. You know, I'm the, I'm the football coach. I wanted to talk about football. And a lot of people weren't real excited about it. And I can remember one year, I think it's probably the year of the first Rose Bowl. I get all the way to the last meeting. I said, I, my goal was to get through the, the circuit without somebody asking a band question. And one of our good supporters, Jerry Fluto, <laughs> it was in the crowd that he comes out and asks something about the band. And I got after pretty good. <laughs> I said, I almost made it through the entire banquet circuit without anybody asking the band. And Fluto had to blow it for us. <laughs> um, there was there was another one uh, after the first Cal game. You said your eyes were like open. The first game against Cal, your eyes were open like this when you came out and saw the crowd. You could have shot a cannon off and hit yeah. nobody. Yeah, it was just yeah. That, there, there, was, there wasn't a lot of excitement. Mean, you know, you, you. I look back at the, there's a picture. Um, one of the coaches had it in, in their office of the. It was the last game of the season before we came in here. In an actual picture, they they list the crowd at uh, I forget what the price seventeen thousand, but there there weren't there weren't five thousand people in the stands. It was worse. It, it looked like a, a bad turnout for a spring game. Um, it, it was you know it was just not good. There's no there was no interest because the teams weren't competitive. So you go one in ten that first year. Uh, I'm sure that was obviously really difficult, but you made strides the next two years, right? You go five and six and five and six. And that Northwestern loss at the end of 1992, um, you're so close to a bowl game, right? Come up just short. Um, you held the team banquet a few days later. Uh, you could have been feeling sorry for yourself. You probably could have been feeling the team could have been feeling sorry for itself. Um, I understand that you, you kind of set the tone for the offseason, though, with uh, what was described later as a fire and brimstone speech at that at that banquet. Yeah, I remember that. I, I wanted to send a message to our team that we were right there. You know, we had it, the games, the, the, the two year, that year and the year before, uh, and even the year before that, um, we lost a lot of games by two, three points, uh, games that we could have won. It had, had we had those, those players for, in our program, all the way through, and they learned how to win and knew how to win and were confident they could win, we would have won a, another handful of games. Uh, and and we'd, have, you know, we'd have had winning records uh, those years. So it was just a matter of getting over the hump and believing that they're going to win. And I wanted to send a strong message to, to the team that um, for the out-of-season workout and going into the next season, that we were a good football team. We had a lot of good football players. They were very young, but now there, there is no excuse for being young anymore. These guys played when they were – a lot of them had to play as freshmen and, and sophomores, some of them before they were ready. But now they're ready, and they're gonna, we're going to be a good football team. And I, I couldn't wait to get started working with that team and preparing them for the next year.
I, I think I've heard you talk about it. You went position by position, right? You know, against some of the other Big Ten teams, and you felt pretty good going into that '93 season based on yeah. based on that. Yeah, I I used to take time before uh, bef- before our evening meetings. We'd practice in the morning, and we'd have our dinner, and then I'd come. We'd start with with my meeting, and I'd try to send a different message. Uh, try to teach football, teach the game, but also have some type of message. And I would go through. I went through our position by position, comparative to the league, where we were comparable, comparable or better at every position. That there's no reason why uh, that we couldn't have a great year. And yet, you went into that season. I think uh, there were, based on my research, maybe six teams were thought better than you guys going into that year. Uh, Michigan was supposed to be the favorite. Um, Ohio State was up there. Penn State, Illinois, Iowa. There were some teams, you know thought to be uh, better than you guys, but there were s- several players on that team that had some uh, standout play prior to that year. A guy like Lamarck Shackelford, right? He was one of the best in 92 going into that year. Um, you had a guy like Scott Nelson who was a veteran. Joe Panos was 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 there. Leading into the 93 season, you also had Daryl Bevel back for a second season, and I know that there's a, a big jump, uh, I believe you said this, for a guy that comes back from his Mormon mission. Uh, from his first year to his second year, and you guys got that out of Daryl Bevel. And then you had Brent Moss and Terrell Fletcher, and just there was just so many different guys that you could point to. And I, I wonder, going into that season, did you look at those guys the same way uh, as you did going out of the season, or did they show you something different? I, I thought they were highly recruited. You throw Lee DeRamus in there. Lee DeRamus, had he not been injured, would have been a first-round draft pick. I know the Packers – had told me that they would take him in the first round had he been healthy. Um, you know, Moss and Fletcher was good tandem as you're going to find. They complemented one another. Daryl was a guy that could get the ball to the right spot. Mike Roan was really a solid tight end. You go right down the line now, and, and our line was always going to be good. I mean, at that point, now we had those guys had to play early, uh, but they, they were solid players. So you go right down the line. We're a good football team. We and we had weapons everywhere. We could we had good receivers, good tight end, uh, two running backs that could change up. Montgomery was a solid, you know, fullback that, that could catch the ball out of the backfield. So we're a good team. Um and 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 they had they had experience. They didn't have you know success as early players, but they we had experience and they weren't you know, these guys aren't going to be in awe of taking the field against anyone now. So you guys open the season against Nevada and you, you, you blow them out, right? Then you go down to Dallas and what was a, a very small stadium and a team that was coming off of the death penalty. And, you know, when you look at that game, everybody I've talked to, it's pointed that game as a turning point because you didn't play well in the first half. You're down at half. You come back, you win it 24 to 16. What stands out about that for you as a coach? What what some of the changes that made, or maybe something that was said at half? Yeah, I, I don't know what was, what was said at half, but I just I know this. Um, my teams have for a while until I really did a lot of research on it. Had struggled playing at night. Okay, and and it was a bad atmosphere. It kind of reminded me of a, like a Northwestern. It was like playing in a high school stadium. Yeah, you had to walk from the locker room. It was like a, you know it was like in a basement like you would be in a high school, walk across the field, walk across the street. I mean, literally, they had to stop cars, let us walk across to the stadium. It was a Bush, it was a Bush League situation. 
and it was hot. Um, we hadn't had any success on the road. And uh, I, I can remember coming back at halftime. We're down in some. One of our fans is beating me up. He's wearing me out about <laughs> this team just came off the death penalty. I said, now I feel like we came off the death penalty too. <laughs> you know, but uh, you know, our guys rallied. And we, we played well in the second half and won that game. And I, I really did. I, I think that was a, a turning point. Gave us confidence we can win on the road. Uh, we really revamped how we played at night after that, you know, researched it and and then, then started having success playing at night. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with whoever said it was a turning point. Uh, I think that gave us a lot of confidence to win on the road and feel good. That's a long flight back. You get back at 5 in the morning, um, but you feel good the next day when, when you get back to practice and get ready to go. So you would go on and you would start 6-0, and then you would go to Minneapolis uh, to, to face Minnesota. And it was a it was a tough game. It was a close game. Uh, probably not your best. When I was talking with some of the other people have actually mentioned uh, the suspension of Bill Callahan as, as being rather significant in that game. Yeah, but more than not having Billy there, it was the distraction. The distraction during the week of what's going to happen. Uh, and, and I could and I made a mistake there. I, I could have paid. We could have school could have paid a fine. And it was a bogus deal. Anyhow, Billy was scouting. Uh, the week before, whenever we had an open date, and I sent him to scout. And as he was walking by their uh, booth after the game, they had their depth chart up on the thing. He grabbed the depth chart, which means nothing. Now I can go to the newspaper and get a depth chart. Right. But he makes a big fuss, and he, he goes to the league, and Commissioner Delaney laid it out. I should have appealed it or paid the damn fine, one thing, one way or the other. But it was a distraction during the week. Uh, the reason we lost the game, we had, I mean, if you look at the stats, we put up ridiculous numbers, but we turned it over six or seven times. I think Bev threw a number of picks Five. that had nothing to, that had nothing to do with Billy. Right. You know, so, so, uh, you have five picks in the game. Uh, that's the reason we lost the game. We turned it over too often. Pretty remarkable. He actually still owns the single season or single game passing record from that game as well. I think it was like 423 yards or something like that. That wasn't you guys. Like it's not. It's not saying that you can't throw the ball. You had Duramus, you had Dawkins, you had Roan, but that's not that's not who you guys were. No, that's not how we play. But we got way behind and had to start throwing. Yeah. So the next so the next week is the biggest home game in how long? And it, you're coming off that game, and there were there were probably some national people. I think there were a ton of national people that were going to be there uh, leading into that game. I know that they had uh, requested credentials and all that stuff. And then you guys lose and Michigan's four and three, and it kind of lost some luster, but it didn't lose luster within, uh, within Wisconsin's, uh, you know, the fans and everything like that. It was still such a huge game. How did you regroup? Was it just easy because it was Michigan and, you know, Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, just the name Michigan. Uh, they're always a team that you have to beat. I said that when, when I when I took the job to the, when, when I talked to staff uh, and play. You got to beat Michigan and Ohio State if you want to big win a Big Ten. So that was you know that was those games were important for us. And and uh, you know you're playing back at home. And I still felt felt we had a very good football team. So you know you want to go out and give them your best shot. And I feel like we had a very I was confident we had a good game plan. We could compete with them very well. You beat them. 13 to 10 on the back of a re, uh, just a marvelous performance defensively. Um, you know, ton of sacks, you know, you get a, a late fourth down stop to get the ball back and, and, and be able to grind it out just from, from your perspective, 
was that game exactly who you were uh, as a team and you as a coach? Like that's the perfect thing. Was that the perfect outcome and the perfect way to to beat Michigan? Well, any way that you beat Michigan is the perfect way. Um, but you know that's that's that was my brand of football. You know, we're going to run the ball, we're going to possess the ball, play good field position, not beat ourselves, not have a bunch of mistakes um, or penalties. And, you know, play field position, play, play, play the, uh, play the odds. And, it, it, you know, that's, that's, that's how it played out. That's how the game played out. And Rich Schneczki, right? Just the yeah. out, out of nowhere type of thing. Uh, did you really not know his last name? I didn't know. <laughs> I told, I, I think we were talking, you know, I think, uh, we get who the broadcasters were. I think Brad Nessler. Yeah. And I got this little kicker. He came in this week. He's kicking the ball, kicking it pretty good. I don't know his name, but he's going to win the game for us. <laughs> and it proved to be the case. I mean, you guys yeah. win 13 to 10, and uh, all of a sudden back in the conversation to go to the road. <coughs> but you welcome in Ohio State the next week. I, I, I Actually, before we do that, the end of the Michigan game, the crush, the fans, um, your players obviously played such a huge role in, in getting some of those people out of there and into uh, in medical care. Is that scene just one of the more surreal that you've been around as a, as a head coach? I'll tell you, I, you know, of course, I ran off the field. I was in the locker room, and then I'm waiting for the team to come down to, to address them. And um, guys are coming down. They're, they're crying. They're broken. I mean, they're broken down. I'm, I'm thinking – no, we, we won the game, but I mean, it, you don't have to be this emotional. And some, you know, some of them shared with me. We got people that might be some students up there that might that might not be alive. There, you know, and so I, I ran up the tunnel. And when you walked outside, it looked like I mean, you know, people laying around, and 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 it was it was scary, the sight that 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 you saw, and and uh, you know, it was very difficult emotionally. For our players, you just won a game. You're sky high, and the next thing you know, you're you're pulling some a student, you know, one of your classmates out of the bottom of a pile that and they're and they're blue because they've been the compression on them from the other bodies, and it, it was. Uh, I tell you what, it, it just it took your breath away, and we really had to approach that and deal with that. Our guys were emotionally were zapped. They're crying. They're, they're they were a mess. How did you deal with it? Especially well, with Ohio State coming in the next week. Yeah, you know the thing. And first of all, you know you have the the elation of winning a game, and your your emotion, the emotions of your players and even your coaches are all over the place. I mean, you had everything. You had a roller coaster ride, and so you know I've I spent some time you know with our coaches about guys. This this week is just got to be real low key with our players. I mean, these guys are zapped emotionally. And let's just let's just be very. We're fortunate. The next day, you know, we got word from the hospital that you know they had some broken bones, arms, uh, et cetera, and, and people injured. But no one was going to lose their life, which was was a relief. Um, and just be very low key with your players, and then you know they'll figure it out by the end of the week that we'll be ready to play against against Ohio State. But we can't like you normally would during a, a week of an Ohio State game or a Michigan game, go out there and 
be all, you know, firing brimstone all week and have them cranked up because these guys are sapped emotionally right now. Let's just get a game plan in. And that's the approach that I took. You had somebody come in and speak to them before the game, right? You had Rudy come in, uh, which that movie came out right around the same time, right? Uh, it was yeah. I thought it was, it was 92, 93. Yeah. And I used to take, uh, I used to take the team to a movie on Friday nights and I asked, who, what they wanted to see. I said, they said, oh, there's this movie, Rudy. I said, yeah. I said, you know what? I know Rudy. They said, no, get the hell out of here, coach. I said, no, I know Rudy. I said, as a matter of fact, I'm going to get him to the game. I'll bring him to the game. And so I called him and I got, I knew Rudy pretty well in South Bend. He said, oh, I'd love to. So yeah, we brought him to the game and told him, I'm going to have him talk to you Friday night. Get out, coach. I couldn't believe it. So I bring his little Rudy comes strutting in there and talked to him Friday night was on the sideline during the game. Yeah. You know, it, it made the guys feel, feel special. That's, that's all we, you're, I, I was trying to do. Yeah. Let them feel, you know, this guy's, this is the hottest movie going and he's going to be on our sidelines. This is a neat deal. You're special. Yeah, for sure. And the game itself, it was, a, it was a fun game back and forth. And I remember walking into the, walking into the stadium that day and walking up the tunnel and seeing the full student section before, I mean, they, they came out, I think in recognition of what happened the previous week, they got there and they were there an hour before the game. And we know what Wisconsin fans are like. They're going to enjoy themselves before they get into the stadium. But that wasn't the case for that one. They were there right away. Uh, but the game itself, back and forth, 14-14. Um, Joey Galloway, you know, obviously makes the touchdown or catches the touchdown to tie the game. You guys go back down the field, have a chance to win it, and the kick gets blocked. Your emotions right in that minute. Well, it was it, it – was, you know, as we we're marching down the field, we're going to win the game, you know, and there and we had, out, I, I felt that we had outplayed it. And it, there's a funny story. John Cooper t told me this years later. He said he run, well, they run an outcut. This is on their last, just before Joey Galloway scored. Um, they run an outcut to Joey Galloway, who may be the problem. might be the fastest guy in the big 10. For sure, the, he said he's the fastest guy on our on our football team and track team. And you've got a, a receiver out there covering him. They throw a 10-yard out, and he's all over him. And I look, he said, I look, and your corner has a knee brace on. There is no damn way that he can cover Joey Galloway. He said, I called timeout. He said, I called timeout. I ran two tight ends. I said, Joey, just run right by him. Just run a streak. He said, so I, I actually drew that that play up in the dirt after I saw a guy covered him with a knee brace on, and you're playing man coverage. There's no way that's going to happen. It's it, it, it's a it was a great game, and and obviously you wish you could have finished it, but yeah. the uh, the next week, Ohio State goes to Michigan and loses, uh, and you guys are off the next week, and then you go to Michigan State. So when Ohio State loses to Michigan, it puts its stuff all the, everything back in your own hands. Right. It puts it if if we beat Michigan State, we're going to be in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you did a lot of things to get ready for that trip to Tokyo. Um, and it, I've, I've I know this story, but when did you know that you're going to be going to Tokyo for that game? And was it a result of, you know, not going to bowl games it was kind of going to be like a yeah. something like a, a bit of a present for your team? Yeah, I, I wanted to reward the guys that had been in the program. Um, I know Kansas State had, had done that before. I think Nebraska went. Um, so they were taking two teams every year. 
and no one wants to give up a home game. And they, the, the promoters pro approached me and, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, these guys, particularly our seniors, they've, they've really worked hard. We, we, we narrowly missed the bowl should have been in a bowl two previous years. And, uh, I, I'd really like to do something special for them. And, um, and Pat, Pat Richter was, was good enough to say, you know, that he, he would go along with it. You know, we're going to get some grief from the, from the local merchants and, and, and that type of thing. But, uh, what an experience for our players. And, um, so that, that's how it came, came about. So you have, you did a lot of unique things to get ready for that trip though. Um, obviously the sunglasses and was there anything that, um, that you look at back on and was like, yeah, that, that played a huge factor. Was there, I mean, or did all those things be like, we were going to get there. We we're going to beat them anyways. Yeah. We were going to do that anyhow, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, every game I try to give some, something to our players that we have an advantage. I always look for an advantage. I don't know, care what it is. I don't care if it's made up. I'm going to give them, let them know they have an advantage over your opponent. And in this case, you know, I, I got the information about turning your body clock back from, from astronauts. And it all had to do with the light, uh, light and dark and sleeping. So we would take, we took basically two hours a day uh, off and moved our clock body clocks back so that when we got to Tokyo, uh, we were on their time. And it, and it wouldn't take you two or three days uh, to, to get back to feeling normal. And so, you know, that, that had to do, that was assigned to everybody, gave everybody a pair of sunglasses. And we cut, you know, the first day, it's the last two hours of the day. We get, had it all worked out for them. When you wear the sunglasses, when you go to bed, you know, you keep staying up later. You go to wear the sunglasses two hours, then four hours, then six hours. And uh, and then when we get there, you know, it's a 12 or 14 hour flight, whatever it was. Don't sleep on the plane. And when you get there, you'll be right on Tokyo time. We get up the next day and we go right to practice and your body will be right on their time. So that gives you an advantage. And especially when they look around the plane, they see Michigan State guys sprawled all over the place sleeping. Um that, you know, our guys are giggling and laughing, you know, they, they've got an advantage. They, and they did, they beat them. And it was 42 to, I think it was 42 to 20. You won that we game. Do you remember that how, game. What was it? We did not punt in that game. <laughs> that's, that's domination. It was dominant. It was a dominant game. Yeah. Do you remember how you celebrated out over there? If at all, I assume you did. Uh, we just went back to my room. Okay. Uh, we, you know, we had the coaches and then I had some Ted Kellner and, and some very close friends were there. We just went back to the room and celebrated, you know, can't believe it. we're going to the Rose Bowl, you know, and how many times that was said that night? I don't know, but it was, it was pretty special. So you guys get back to Madison and uh, th this is so much different than it is now, right? Like you guys flew into Chicago and drove back up right? and you drive right. You drove right onto the field at Camp Randall, and there was about, I think, like 9,000, 10,000 people in the stands. It was cold. Um, and uh, you delivered 
th- this quote, uh, this football team would not be denied. They wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, and this football team will represent you well. I do know this. Pasadena and California will not be the same after Wisconsin gets through with them. And that proved to be the case. I mean, it was essentially last person out of Wisconsin turned the lights out. I think that was the TV made mention of that with how many people were in California that that week. Um, outside of the game, do you have a favorite moment or story from that week in California? You know, having played there, uh, I was at Iowa two years. Two times we played in, in, in the Rose Bowl and did a terrible job terrible job in, in, how, in our preparation and um, practice and entertainment. So I, I really had a good plan uh, and had a good idea of how to treat the week, what to allow our players to do. Um, I, I wanted them to experience Pasadena experience. Back then, they, they really had some very nice functions for the players. I wanted them to, to do everything and experience everything. Uh, and I let them go. I didn't have curfew early in the week. And then, you know, that's the way I, you know, I, I would treat it and let them have fun. We practice later when, when I was at Iowa, we'd practice, we'd get them up at seven in the morning, six 30, have a big breakfast and, and meetings, and then go to practice at one or whatever, 11 o'clock, whatever time. But we were, we were grinding our players. Uh, and so I, I let them run early, early in that week. No curfew, sleep late, practice in the afternoon at the same time we would be practicing here. So I let them have some fun. Um, I had the game plan in before we went. So it's just repetition on your game plan. Um, so and, and everything just we had it planned out, you know, well enough. that, And we had no glitches. It was just it's just the preparation, even though it was our first bowl game and the magnitude of being the. Rose Bowl. A lot of people go in the Rose Bowl. And I, I sensed it. My first time there at Iowa, and we walk out on that field, it'll take your breath away. It's so pretty. And, uh, you know, you, you got to get your guys out there a day or two beforehand to let them see the field and see and get a feel of the stadium. All those things, little things that many coaches wouldn't uh, take into consideration, we did. So our guys were totally prepared when, when they hit the field. When you did hit the field that day, as I mentioned before, um, there was a lot of Wisconsin people there. And I know in your message to your guys, you knew it was going to be like that. But did it? you mentioned seeing the field for the first time it taking your breath away. Did it also kind of take your breath away when you walked in there and it was 70, 30, maybe even 75, 25 yeah. Wisconsin fans? Yeah, and I, I told the players, I said, when, this, this is like playing a home game. This is Camp Randall West. Now I'm serious. When you go out there, it's the stadium's going to be red, just like Camp Randall. Their student section had red in. You go back and look at that that picture uh, of the aerial of the stadium. You know their students were scalping their tickets, and I, I use that. That they provide a driver for you. My driver was a junior at UCLA, and the year before was his class president. And he said to me, Coach, do you realize what's going on? I said, no, what are you talking about? He says, well, you know, our people aren't very loyal. <laughs> and the tickets are, they're really hard to get. They're, they're hard to come by. Our people will sell their scalp their tickets 
and the Wisconsin people are going to snap them up. That stadium is going to be all red. So I, and I never thought of that. You know, he put it in my head. That's why I, I knew it would, it, it would be that way. And even their student section, their card section, had it was red all through the card section where people snapped those tickets up. It was a remarkable thing. And I, again, I was there as a kid and walking through that that tunnel and seeing it and and being a part of it is, is one of those memories you won't forget, right? So uh, the Rose Bowl in general, when, when we went back and, when I was covering it in 2019, I went back and sat in the seat that I was that I was at as a kid, and it, it just brings back so many memories. And there are so many memories from that game, and I I wrote down a few of them, but one that really stood out, and I think it kind of made, I don't know if it changed the game, but it certainly played a huge factor, and that was the fight, the fight in the third quarter. Um, first of all, first of all, Donnie Edwards was offsides. Donnie Edwards was, was so far offsides. That it, it, and he's the one that makes the play, stops Brent Moss. The play on the other one. side. Yeah. Was, yeah. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. He was way off sides. I think you threw your gum. <laughs> you saw that and threw your gum out. Um, but uh, it, the, the fight, Marvin Goodwin, Lee Ramis, Mark Montgomery, you lose Doramus and Montgomery. And I, I mean, you guys were controlling that game both on both sides of the ball, and you lost that. And it kind of opened up the door a little bit. <laughs> We were going to put the game away right there. It was fourth and one. Could have kicked the field goal. We'd already missed the field goal, if I remember right. Um, and I, I'm figuring we we get a first down there. We're going to knock another t- knock another one in there, and they're they're about ready to fold their tent. So I was trying to put the game away, and uh, and I saw Donnie Edwards a, a step and a half offside, and makes the tackle because he gets he gets. Uh, I think it was Brett from behind and stops us. And then, you know, the fight breaks out. I was out on the field complaining about I'm looking for the, for the flag. Right. We break the fight up. Um, and I said, okay, where do we get, when do we get the the yardage marked off for offside? That's why I got into it with the officials. Um, I wasn't real happy with a couple of the officials, (laughs) uh, I had a background on one of them. He was a, he officiated midget football a year or two earlier in Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew that game was way too big for him, but I uh, wasn't happy with it because the game should have, we should have put that game away right there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you lose your lead blocker, you lose your best wide receiver. And, yeah. um, you know, obviously JJ Stokes was, was fantastic. Um, but for you, what, what is the most unlikeliest play you've seen as a coach, and why is it Daryl Bevel's 21-yard touchdown run? Well, I, I don't think Daryl flushed all year. You know, he can't he can't break 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> you know, he can't. Yeah. I mean, he, he knows where how to distribute the ball. He's a, really a smart player, but he can't run fast and never pulled the ball down once uh, his whole tenure. And to see all of a sudden out of nowhere that we're going to get, you know, we're going to get a play like that out of Daryl running the ball. That's a good omen, man. That's a good sign. So you get that, that play out of him and, you know, everything is, is going your way there in the fourth quarter. Um, and yet you can't, you can't necessarily finish it off. And I think again, Mark Montgomery, leader Amos are there. Maybe you're able to finish it off and they never get the ball back, but they do get the ball back and they're going down and you guys, 
I don't know what you would say about your defense, but I, I think a lot of people called it bend but don't break. I don't know if that's an insult, um, but – No, that, you, that's no, that's not an insult at all. all. Right. Okay. That's what it was. All right, so you guys had four, six turnovers that day. I mean, they were so loose with it, and you guys took advantage of it a ton of times. But they're marching down that field, and, and I'm sure in that moment you're just like, just make a play. Anybody, just make a play. Yeah, well um, – they're really, I'm telling you, they're a very talented team. And uh, they know where to go with the ball. They're really a good two-minute drill team, two-minute offense team. And, uh, but we, you know, we weren't the type of defense where we could play press man. We're a zone, we're a zone team. We, we, our guys weren't skilled enough to go up and press somebody and play, and play man and, and, and heat, heat the quarterback up. We could blitz. Um, uh, and heat him up. And we changed that up a few times and sent and, and sent people. But you do too much of that, you're going to get burned eventually. So um, we just had to be smart. Give them, let them come in chunks, and sooner or later, you're going to get a play. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, you, you know, Wayne Cook. What is it? Thank you, Wayne Cook. Uh, the the uh... greatest run I ever saw. <laughs> Did you know as soon as he ran and he got down, it's like Game's three, two, over. one. Yeah. Game's it, over. Just can't yeah. stop the clock. Were you like looking at the clock, looking at the field, looking at the clock, or is it just you could hear it because three? As soon as he pulled that ball down, I knew the game was over. He goes down. The celebration starts. I think you got Jim Heber first and then probably went off uh, after that. But when you were. Uh, can you imagine, can you describe the emotions in that moment? I mean, or is it just, has it still not hit you that uh, you went from what you started with in 1990 to January 1, 1994, winner of the most important game a Big Ten team can win in that moment? Yeah. You don't think of it that way. You know, you put so much into it. You, you understand the magnitude of the game. Uh, it, it's, it's on national TV. It's being watched by everyone. Uh, you're a big underdog going in and you guys play like they had all year, you know, and, and played well enough to win that game. I mean, it's, that's as good as it gets in this business, you know, that your guys perform well, they're not intimidated. Uh, they're not overwhelmed by the, by the surroundings or anything else. And they, they play well enough to win. That's, that's hard for a team first time there. Uh, first bowl game, all that, all those things. Yet, uh, that's how resilient this group was. Everyone has a Rose Bowl story, I assume. Um, for people of a certain age, that year and and the game itself was one of those moments you're never going to forget. Do you still get people coming up to you and, and telling you their their '94 Rose Bowl stories at, at times? Every place I go, <laughs> does it? Every does it? Place I go. If I go, I've got. I, I, we've got another couple that we go uh, to supper clubs. We'll pick supper clubs around the state and and go and, and uh, just enjoy it. And people, I'll go in and invariably. Uh, there are people I don't know, but they want to come up and tell me the Rose Bowl story. I mean, again, that's I think just shows you the impact the team made itself, right? I mean, it yep. the starving for success, the starving for wins, the starving for Big Ten titles had been so long that. It just sticks with people. Again, I was 12 years old, and I can remember almost everything from that year without having to look it up. So um, 
I think you've said that winning that uh, that first Rose Bowl and turning the program was special, but that you were more proud of the ability to sustain that success, um, which is obviously harder, right? Sustaining success for a long period of time. They're both, and now they're, they're both hard. It's hard to win at that level. Uh, and then, and, and I could have done a better job. I, I thought that's one thing I didn't think I do a, did a great job of. Now, we've sustained success and have kept winning and going to the bowl game since then. But I thought I could have done it better. If I, you know, I, I don't think I did a great job of keeping our guys hungry for that next year. And uh, we had some issues that I think some of the guys celebrated that, that Rose Bowl victory much longer than they should have and start, should have been hungrier uh, for that next year to do the same thing because we had basically the same team back. So, but still, uh, it's a great accomplishment, but it's, it's really hard to sustain also. Yeah. So, uh, and, and that's what I was going to ask. I mean, I, sustaining the success and, in, in, you know, what starting off the 30 years, 30, the golden era of Wisconsin football. I think you could certainly say this last 30 years has been, um, but what do you think the legacy of that, that 93 team is at Wisconsin? Uh, I, I think that's the legacy is it allowed Wisconsin football to understand they could win. They could be successful. Because we had gone so long, you know, only a handful of bowl games in the history of the school, and no, no, uh, there's one, one Vic bowl victory, uh, a game in Shreveport, um, you know, and you played in a few Rose Bowls that certainly didn't win any of those. So to to go to the highest level and win uh, and and start a string of success in a program that's that's where that team and that game. Um, started the future of, of what we're in, 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 into right now. It definitely is. And it's a, um, you know, prior to this game, you could say the 1963 Rose bowl was the biggest game in school history. And it was a loss. And I yep. think what this win and that season did is it gave someone to, for Wisconsin people to hang their hat on and be like, this is who we are. I agree with that. And I, you know, I heard a lot about that 63 Rose Bowl, and, and, and it was a great team. And probably one of the great – probably maybe the best Rose Bowl game ever played. It was a great game. I remember watching that game. Um, but we still lost. But, you know, that's, that's where the program was. You hadn't been back to a Rose Bowl. Um, certainly didn't play that well and didn't have a lot of success, success after that. And so – to come back and go to the Rose Bowl, win, and then move forward. This this set the, the, the stage for the future you know, football programs here. It was a special team and a special year, and um, one that won't certain be forgotten by anybody uh, of a certain age. Uh, and I am of that age, so it's it's all good. Uh, Barry, really appreciate your time, and uh, thank you very much for, for coming on and, and sharing some stories with me. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. All right, there he was, former Wisconsin coach Barry Alvarez. What an awesome interview, all because of him and all the stories that he told. It has nothing to do with me. I thought the interview was awesome because of him uh, in uh, spite of me. But he was great and uh, certainly do appreciate it. We've got two more interviews in this series coming up. Going to have Steve Malchow, who's the sports information director that year for the Badgers, and then also former Wisconsin linebacker Chris Hine, who played an important role on the defense for the Badgers that season. That's coming up here over the next week. So. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp.